0: You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Uh, Well, about uh, uh, just just under a year ago, uh, I was working out and, and I hurt my back. And so, uh, which wasn't great, but uh, but through that process, uh, because of that, uh, I started to learn a lot more, a lot more about my body. Right? I started going to a chiropractor who told me that actually one of the main reasons that I hurt my back wasn't because my back was so messed up, but because uh, my pelvis was out of alignment, which I had no idea, but apparently that was something that had been a problem for a long time. But then that extra stress through working out brought on, uh, brought that problem to light. Uh, and so, so that chiropractor was able to slowly work that, work my pelvis back into alignment. But then as I was going through that process, I realized and, and I learned that, that not only was my pelvis out of alignment, but my hips are tight uh, and, and closed and my hamstrings are tight. Uh, so whenever I do exercises that, that really work my hamstrings and my hips like, like squats, I'll, I'll feel it in my back. not not because my back is so messed up, but because my tight hamstrings and my closed hips are pulling on my back and causing that pain. Now, you might think, Pastor, that's a little TMI. That's that's too much information for a Sunday morning. Why are you telling us this? Uh, but, But here's what I want you to realize, that your body is very interconnected. All right, and this is just one example. I'm sure you all have similar examples that you could, that you could talk about. But, but, but talk to a chiropractor. Talk to a doctor. Talk to a massage therapist. Even talk to somebody who sells you essential oils. Right? Your body is incredibly interconnected. And each part of your body depends on other parts of your body to function fully. And the Apostle Paul knows this really well. Check out what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 12. And again, if I, I'd encourage you to have your Bibles open in front of you. And in that pew Bible, it's, it's page 959. But, but hear God's word from, uh, from the Apostle Paul, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Well, so it is with Christ, right? So it is with, with the church, the body of Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, right? Baptism, Christian baptism with water in the name of the triune God grants us the forgiveness of sins. And the Holy Spirit incorporates the baptized believer into Christ and the Christian church, Christ's body. So here as Paul speaking, we, we see very clearly that Paul is teaching that baptism brings faith. Baptism brings the Holy Spirit. Baptism brings you into the body of Christ, and that baptism is the, the most basic foundation for the church's unity. Right, this, this is a unity. That transcends human divisions between Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and as Galatians 3:28 adds, between uh, these divisions between men and women. Through baptism in one spirit, all are one in Christ Jesus. So after the Apostle Paul has, has nailed this teaching down. He spends the rest of this section in 1 Corinthians 12 discussing how the individual parts of the one body should live together. Uh, and, and he does this in, in three sections. First, he addresses the inferior members of the one body, or at least those who consider themselves inferior. He does that in, in verses 14 to 20. And then he addresses those who consider themselves superior members, and he does that in verses 21 to 26. And then at the end of this, Paul applies all of this to the church at Corinth. So I want to take a look at what Paul has to say to these first two groups. And at first he speaks to those who might consider themselves in, insignificant or inferior. Right? Maybe you've felt yourself in that position at some point. But Paul presents this imaginary conversation between different parts of the body First, he, 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 he mentions the foot who's been depressed by its comparatively lowly status and the drudgery of its work uh, so supporting the body. And that foot compares itself to the more versatile, the, the skillful hand. And then Paul talks about the ear that's become discontent with its simple and less prominent function and compares itself with the more attractive eye. And so these these body parts in this imaginary conversation, in their depression or in their jealousy, they're tempted to opt out of the body, to discontinue their faithful service to that body. Maybe you've you've wished that you were more like that person who does that thing. Maybe you've said, boy, I wish I were more important. I wish I were just a little more in the limelight. Or maybe it's not so much jealousy with someone else, but but depression—that is—is this all I have to offer? Right? Maybe you felt yourself in one of those positions, so it's, so it's very easy to simply opt out, to to say to yourself, "I'm not that important. I won't be missed." Right? But have have you ever broken a foot? Right? It's life. Sure, dif- gets difficult without a working foot, doesn't it? And as I was thinking about this, uh, may, many of us recently have had the, and I say this sarcastically, have had the joy of experiencing life when one or two of our body parts simply stops working. Right? A couple weeks ago, I lost taste and smell for a couple days. Right? And that, those days, without taste and smell, were much less enjoyable it didn't matter how lovely and how wonderful that bowl of ice cream looked. I couldn't taste it. I couldn't smell it. And even though I knew exactly what it was supposed to taste like, and even though I could see it perfectly, the inability to actually taste my bowl of mint chip ice cream was pretty depressing. Right? And I've talked to a number of people who have told me the same thing, that, that they lost, when they lost taste or smell, that, that they mainly just ate to survive. Right? There, was, there was no joy there was no pleasure. It was just survival. So I wondered how often is that the case in the church, the, the larger Christian church, where, where maybe a number of members of the body of Christ who, who don't feel useful or beneficial, they opt out, and the rest of the body just survives. Right? No, no enjoyment. No pleasure. Survival. But you know What? You know, as my taste and as my smell started to come back, I appreciated it more than ever. And I have talked to again, a number of you who have said the same thing is, as taste and smell came back, uh, fully, they appreciated it more than ever. Uh, this, this past week, uh, my, Stacy and I, uh, we were running errands in Omaha. And, and as we were running errands, it was lunchtime. And so we, we, we stopped at a barbecue place to eat lunch. And as I walked in that door, I just stopped and smiled, right? Because that smell, it filled more than my nostrils, right? It filled my soul. I was alive again and it was good, right? So if if you're here today, whether in person, whether joining us online or even listening to the recording of this a couple years later, right? If you're hearing God's word today and you've opted out because you felt insignificant or, or you felt not important enough or because you've been discontent with your part in the body of Christ, I want you to know today how important you are. Not just to get the job done, but but your presence brings joy and pleasure and life to the body of Christ. All right, so come on back. There will be no judgment, only joy. Because God has set each one of us in the body just as he wished. Without you, the body simply survives. But with you, the body is full of life, thriving with joy. So then as, as Paul, he, he finishes his conversation with those who feel discontent and he turns his conversation to those who feel superior. Right, in verses 21 to 26, Paul turns his attention to those who have this superiority complex. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And then look at how he ends this section in verse 26 where he says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Maybe you've heard the phrase used, right, preaching to the choir, right? When we use that phrase, we're often preaching, uh, we refer to that by that we're preaching a section of God's Word, but, but those who are the ones who are always in worship aren't really the ones who necessarily need to hear it. Rather, it's those who aren't in worship probably need to hear it, and those who are in worship are already doing what God's Word is calling them to do. Now, now when we use that, that phrase, preaching in the choir, we're not usually talking about a literal choir, but, but about those who are always here. Right. But the picture that you're supposed to get with that is that, that choir that stands behind the pastor in a very prominent place in the church where everyone can see them leading the congregation worship, right? Where they'll, they'll sing out the amen, right? When it, at the proper place in, in the sermon or, or they'll, they'll repeat one of the pastor's phrases to really drive home that point where everyone knows who's in the choir and how important they are to the worship life of the congregation. But here, as the Apostle Paul turns his attention to those who might consider themselves superior, here the phrase preaching to the choir takes on a different meaning. Because here Paul is preaching to the choir because the choir is the group that needs to listen. Again, we're not talking about literal choir. But there, there are people who are very visible in the way that God has called them to serve. And then there are people who are almost invisible but not invaluable. Right? Maybe you don't necessarily notice what they do, but... You definitely notice when they don't do what they normally do, right? You would notice if you walked in here today and no lights were on, but you've probably never noticed the people who turn on the lights every morning or every Sunday morning, right? You would notice if there were no coffee, if there's no coffee brewing today, but you probably didn't notice the people who came in last night to prep the coffee for this morning, you would notice if there was trash all over the place, but you probably haven't noticed the people who took the trash out. You would notice if if these communion trays were empty today. But you may not have noticed the people who prepare communion for you on a, uh, on a, on those weekends that we have communion. Right? And I could go on and on because the list of jobs that people do without anyone noticing is quite long. But to those of you who do those jobs that don't get the publicity but are vitally important to the life of the church, thank you. Right? You hold up the body day in and day out. You are incredibly important. And I pray that I would never see myself as more important than you. Because that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is speaking to any of us who who might ever look at an other member of the body of Christ and think that we have no need for them. Because Paul wants to remind you again and again that we are all different parts of the body, but all we are all important parts of the body. So then the question is, how, how do we all work together? Well, Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with, with verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Or, or if you're looking at the Greek here, the Greek actually says, now you are the body of Christ and members each for his own part or each for her own part. Right? So how how do we work together? Well, we each do our own part. We each do what God has called us to do. We we encourage one another. We lift one another up. We, We rebuke one another. We give praise together. We are the body of Christ here in this place. And each one of you is a vital part of this body here in this community. So first, the question is, how do we... Know where we fit in the body, All right, and that question is kind of takes us back to last week, All right? How has the Spirit gifted you? Notice if you were here last week, Paul Paul introduces right because as as these letters are written, they're not written in like short chunks of verses; they're written as one whole letter, right? So as as Paul introduces this section, he talks about the spiritual gifts, the gifts that the Spirit gives to each of us. And if you caught it at the end of this section of verses, Paul talks more about. Uh, different spiritual gifts. Paul wants you to pay attention to, to how the Spirit is gifting you because that's the only way that you can know how you fit within the body. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to take a spiritual gifts inventory, although that might be helpful, uh, But but you need to pay attention to how the Spirit is gifting you and, and then to use those spiritual gifts because the way that the, the Spirit gifts you at a, at a particular time, and that might change, or it might be a long, uh, you know, a long term set of gifts that He gives to you. But how that Spirit has gifted you is how the Spirit wants you to serve within the body of Christ. Well, each week we, we end our service in the same way, right? With a, with a call and response, right? Without Without the the, the words on the screen, let me see if you know, if you can remember how, how we end that service, right? I will say, go in peace and serve the Lord, and you say, thanks be to God, right? Go in peace and serve the Lord, thanks be to God, right? That's not just a verbal signal that it's time to leave, right? That's not just a, okay, now pastor said those words, I responded, I can get up and go now, right? That is a call to action, Right, And as we, as, we, as we hear those words and as we say, thanks be to God, we know that as we go out, we're each going to do that differently because we've each been gifted in different ways and have been placed in different parts of the body. But we are one. Right Now you are the body of Christ and members each for his or her own part. All right, so this week, may you live that out. May you joyfully live out your calling, the the gifts that God has given you, because then the, the body doesn't simply survive, but it thrives full of joy and life. So this week, may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.